Welcome, ladies, to Women's Bible Study. We're so glad that you have joined us. And we want to welcome you to join us singing in your home, in your office, wherever you may be watching, and be a part of us lifting our voices together to worship our God. Let's sing You Give Life.
the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing
Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything, yes. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Oh, your goodness, God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Sing all my life. All my life you have been Welcome. We're in another week of women's Bible study going through the book of Exodus. Um, don't be confused. We're going to study a few chapters from Numbers today, which is the story of Exodus in another book. So we're still continuing on the journey with the Israelites and Moses heading towards the promised land. And today is to such a good reminder. Uh, the theme today is live face down. And what we're going to do is we're going to explore how Moses and Aaron handled trials and challenges challenges that came their way in the wilderness. And I don't know about you, but this pandemic feels like a wilderness and there are trials coming up of all different types. And so I hope that our message today will encourage you and I uh, to respond like Moses and Aaron did and to take a different heart posture in the way that we face the things that come at us. So um, I'm going to give you a little bit of context because we haven't been in the book of Numbers. Um, so the Israelites are journeying through. Uh, they've crossed over into the Red Sea. Now, they're about to embark on a longer journey. So chapter 13 in Numbers, um, what happens is God wants to send 12 men into the promised land to inspect it. And so Moses chooses one man from each tribe, and their job is to go inspect this amazing land flowing with milk and honey that the Lord wants to give them. So what happens is Moses sends the 12 men and they go on a 40-day expedition. They're trying to scout out if the land is good, um, if it's worth to settle in, what the situation is. So these, these 12 men go in, explore Canaan for 40 days, and what happens is they discover that the land is filled with giants, with big, strong communities. And what happens is two of the men, Joshua and Caleb, who are faithful and trust the Lord, see the goodness of the land and think this is the promised land and the Lord can deliver us from these giants. And the other 10 men go into the land and see this, this land is good, but these giants will overtake us and they're filled with fear. So what happens is after 40 days, the 12 men come back and they report what they saw. And the report of the 10 men who are afraid is the report that makes it all through camp. So when we jump in in verse Numbers 14, 
the whole Israelite community, all three million of them, just heard the report that the land is good, but it's filled with giants and the people are afraid. So if you're reading along, uh, the verses will be on your screen or you can open your Bible. We're going to start Numbers 14, chapter 1. They just got the bad news. This is where we take off. Chapter 1, that night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. So do you see what's happening? Fear has overtaken the community and people are starting to turn from Moses. They're trying to control the situation and they say, the plan that we're in right now is not working. We need to choose another leader. And I don't know if you've ever led anything, if you've had to oversee people, when everybody that you're leading turns against you and wants to pick another leader, it's not the most inspiring place to be. But we're gonna watch how Moses and Aaron respond when the whole community comes at them in their panic state of fear. How do they respond? Verse five is gonna show us. Verse five, then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Wow. This is our first lesson we're gonna to learn today. When trials come at you, when fear is all consuming, the way you and I are to respond is we are to humbly bow down before the Lord. We are to humble ourselves. They fall straight down. Okay, I want you to notice what they didn't do. And these are things that I think you and I would be tempted to do. Um, Moses and Aaron, they didn't defend themselves. They, when people were coming at them, they didn't say, well, you, well, you know, the Lord made me leader and uh, he, this is what he told me to do. And they didn't defend themselves. Uh, Moses and Aaron, they didn't quit. I think that would have been an easy situation. Three million people upset. What, Coley, why did you bring us here? I would have been like, well, peace out. Gee, you guys are on your own because I'm done doing this. They didn't complain. They didn't quit. They didn't, Moses and Aaron didn't have their own little pity party where they're like, why is everybody against us? We've done nothing wrong. We're just serving the Lord. They didn't do any of that. The first thing they did when the people came at them is they submitted themselves to the Lord. They surrendered in front of God. And I wonder today how often when trials, when temptations, when fear, when things come at you, what's your knee-jerk response? Is it to complain? Is it to run away? Is it to be afraid? Is it to be mad? Is it to exert power? Moses and Aaron give us the perfect example of how we should respond. Falling face down, humbling. They humbled themselves in front of the Lord and their community. And you know why they were able to do this? They were able to do this because Moses and Aaron both knew that this wasn't about them. So often you and I can take offense to things. We can take things personally. We can be like, oh, I, why are they so mad at me? Moses and Aaron knew that this was a state of fear that other people were in. And they knew that none of this is about them. This is all about God forming his people and God making a way where only he can make a way. And so because of that, they, they removed their pride. They removed their eagle, ego and they simply submitted to the Lord. So I wonder what trials coming at you today and how you've been responding, what's your knee-jerk response. I wanna encourage you and invite you in this season to submit before the Lord, to humble yourself before God. Submit just means come under the covering and protection of the Lord, to surrender and say, this isn't about me. 
This is about you, God. What would you have me do? That's how Aaron and Moses posture themselves. So that's the first thing we learn today. When trials come our way, we humble ourselves. Let's keep reading. So what happens is the whole community is mad at them. They're complaining. Moses and Aaron submit themselves. They say, okay, the, the Lord, you do what you need to. And basically Joshua and Caleb come forth and they tell the truth. They say, you know what? We saw the land and it's good. And if we have faith in God, he'll deliver us from the giants. This land could be ours. So they give the people a hopeful prediction based on their faith in the Lord. But this is what happens. This is how the people respond. Verse 10, but the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have performed among them? And then God says in verse 12, I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. So the second thing we're going to learn today, and we're going to see this happen, but here God says, I'm going to wipe them all out. Moses, Aaron, Joshua, Caleb, you guys have been faithful. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to bless you. And listen to Moses's response. Basically, God's saying, I'm going to make you great. And this is what Moses says. Moses says to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear about it. By your power, you brought these people up from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of this land about it. They have already heard that you, Lord, are with these people, and that you, Lord, have been seen face to face, that your cloud stays over them, and that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. If you put all these people to death, leaving none alive, the nations who have heard this report about you will say, the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land he promised them on oath. So he slaughtered them in the wilderness. So Moses, the second thing we learn, Moses humbles himself in this position. The second thing he does is Moses remembers the mission. He says, no, 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 Lord, I don't, I don't want you to make me great. It's not about me and what I can inherit. This is about you, and you're making yourself known to the world. And if you kill off all these people in the wilderness, that's going to reflect poorly of you to all the other nations who believed that you had chosen this people and protected them. You brought these people through the Red Sea. So Moses is aware of that, and he remembers this mission isn't about me. It's about God. Now, I think in Moses' position, three million people revolting against me, God saying, stand back. I'm going to wipe them out. I'll make you into a great nation. I think that would be a temptation for any person of like, okay, God sees that I'm being faithful. He's going to bless me. He's going to keep me. But no, Moses remembers the mission. The mission is about making God known and carrying, making the name of the Lord great. Moses doesn't make this about him. He makes it about God. And he does something else that I love. Moses reminds God who he is. Um, have you ever been in a situation that's made you not like yourself? Uh, I remember I was in a season of just feeling really insecure um, about myself and just not having a great self-image or great self-esteem. And what happened is I started being really critical of people around me. And so one of my good friends at the time uh, was in this season with me. And, and one day I was talking, I was being critical of other people, and he just he stopped me. And he said, Coley, what, what's going on? And I continued to go on my little rant about criticizing people. I said, no, 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 this isn't who you are. You don't normally act like this. You don't normally bring people down. You don't normally judge them. What's, what's happening? And basically we had a conversation and what came to light was all my insecurities. I was holding them and juggling with them and I didn't know what to do with them. So I was projecting them out on others. But he so graciously reminded me, this isn't who you are. 
And this is exactly what Moses does to God. He says, God, this, this isn't who you are. And so he tells him, he, God uses, or Moses uses the very scriptures that God spoke. When God gave his identity to the people, Moses speaks them back to God in love. And I want to read these verses for you. Verse 17, Moses says, Now may the Lord's strength be displayed just as you have declared. God's, Moses is going to remind God who he is. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, and forgiving sin and rebellion. Moses reminds the Lord, hey, this isn't who you are. You don't want to wipe out all these people. You've chosen these people. You're forming them into your people. You've made a covenant with them for your name's sake. Don't wipe them out. Don't wipe them out. Moses remembers the mission. Uh, and I just wonder, do we remember the mission? I don't know about you, but it's really easy for me to forget the mission sometime in life. Perfect example. Um, every time I go to Target, I forget the mission. Yesterday, I was going there. I needed one thing. I needed butter. I had gotten bored in my pandemic quarantine, and I decided to create the world's most delicious cookie. And so I had, was missing one ingredient, butter. And so I went to Target to get it. Um, lo and behold, 16, 18, 38 minutes into my journey to Target, and did I have butter in my cart? No. Instead, I had chosen to wander through all the clearance aisles and pick up little knickknacks I didn't need. And then I also stumbled upon the Easter post candy sale, which was very, very hard to resist, but I only came away with a bag of Starburst jelly beans. But by the end, by the end of my little wandering in Target, I had bags full, carts full of, you know, random clearance stuff that I didn't need. Got to my car, drove home, started unpacking, realized I forgot the butter. You and I, when we're faced in seasons of temptation and seasons of trial in the wilderness, we can forget the mission. And when we forget the mission, we get off course. Moses doesn't forget the mission. He knows that the mission is about bringing God's name glory to all the world. And so Moses says, don't wipe out your people. Spare them. Be forgiving. God, he reminds God of his character. And part of God's character is our God is a God of justice. And so while God is forgiving, while Jesus Christ forgives our sins and loves us, there is a consequence to sin. There's a consequence to being disobedient. And the Lord lays it out. He says, Moses, you're right. I will forgive these people, but there's a consequence to their rebellion. And we're going to read about it in verse 26. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I've heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, Surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do the very thing I heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years older or more, who is counted in the census, who has grumbled against me. Then it goes on in verse 34. It says, For 40 years... One for each, one year for each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. The Lord is forming his people. He's disciplining them. And he says, for the 40 days that you explored the good land I was going to give you and came back and gave a false report, I'm going to punish you. There will be consequences when you don't trust me, when you don't listen to me, when you don't obey me. And what's going to happen is you're not going to see the promised land. Your children will inherit the promised land. I have good for your families, for the generations to come. But because of your disobedience, it will come at a cost. God is a God of justice and righteousness. And he says, there is consequences when you don't follow my order. 
And so he lays that out for us. And then what we're going to do is we're going to jump next uh, to chapter 16. This is a long story, but there's so much good in it. So um, chapter 16, we're going to read the story of Korah and Dathan. But before we do, I want to remind you. So, Mo, so God lays out the consequence. He says, you're not going to survive this. If you're over 20, you're going to die here in the wilderness. And so what happens is the people... The people say, okay, God, okay, Moses, we'll follow you. But then the people conspire against the Lord. There's a group of them that say, okay, let's, let's believe in the Lord. Let's go take that land. And Joshua and Caleb warned them. They said, no, 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 the Lord's favor isn't with you. You just got punished for your sin. He's not going to go in and bless you. Don't go try to take the land. Well, some of the people were disobedient. They said, no, 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 we're going to go take the land in the name of the Lord. So they went in without the Lord's covering and a whole people group, they got taken over. They got killed and they didn't take over the land. We need God's provision and blessing to go with us. We can't do things on our own, however we want, when we want. We need the Lord with us. And so we transition to chapter 16. We're going to learn about the story of Korah. So uh, chapter 16, verse 1. It says, um, Korah, son of Izar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and certain Rebunites, Dathan and Abram, sons of Elab, and one son of Peleth, became insolent. Well, that was a lot of names. If you didn't follow, that's okay. I didn't either. Verse 2. So this group of people, they rose up against Moses. With them were 250 Israelite men, well-known community leaders who had been appointed members of the council. So this is like, if you're on student council, this is like all the student council representatives. These are the leaders of the people. Um, they came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, you have gone too far. The whole community is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourself above the Lord's assembly? So here you have 250 holy men who, who think they're right. They, they say, I'm just as holy as Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron, why do you exert authority over this holy tribe of men? And this is Moses and Aaron's response, which I want us to learn from. Verse 4, when Moses heard this, he fell face down. The third thing that we learn is that Moses and Aaron let God be the judge. Verse 4, going on, Moses fell face down when he heard this. In verse 5, then he said to Korah and his followers, In the morning the Lord will show who belongs to him and who is holy, and he will have that person come near him. The man he chooses he will cause to come near him. You, Korah, and all your followers are to do this. Take censers, and tomorrow put burning coals and incense in them before the Lord. The man the Lord chooses be, will be the one who is holy. You Levites have gone too far. So Moses, instead of exerting his pride, instead of having these people murdered, he simply puts the judgment in the Lord's hands. He says, all right, Korah, you think you're as holy as me. You think that you're called to this. You think that you should be taking my job. Let's let the Lord decide. You bring censors, I'll bring a censor. Whoever the Lord calls near is the one he's chosen to lead. We'll let the Lord be the judge. And so often when you and I are in seasons of hardship, where we're in trials, it's really easy for us to want to be in control and take the judgment seat. We want to be the one that starts pointing the finger, laying the blame. Moses says, no, we're going to just place this before the Lord and let him be the judge. And so I wonder today, um, if there's any situation where you're in relational conflict, whether with family, with friends, if you've had any fallouts with anybody, if you're in any tough relational circumstances, Korah was one of Moses's cousins. And here Korah rallied all the male leaders who were holy men. They rallied them all against Moses. And Moses didn't engage this. Instead, he said, all right, 
If you're holy, I'm holy. Let's let the Lord be the judge. I wonder how many of you today in the situations you're in need to simply lay it down at the altar and say, Lord, you be judge over this. If they're in the wrong, I'll leave it for you to, leave, to deal with them however you choose. If I'm in the wrong, correct me. Show me that I'm not in the right position. Again, Moses takes the approach of humility. He says, God, you are the only judge. I'll let you judge. All these men want to overtake me. I believe I was called to this. Lord, you show them. So he gets them ready. He says, go prepare your censers. And I love this because Moses is so, he's so confident in who he is. If you remember, Moses didn't want to be the leader. He's not, this is not a place of pride. Moses isn't saying, I know I'm better than you, bring it, like the Lord will show you. Moses is saying, you know, I didn't even want this role, but I said yes, because I'm obedient. Now, let's go before the Lord. Let's see what he says. Because Moses knows God. Moses knows who he is. He knows who God is, and he knows he's chosen for the role. And so instead of Moses taking this into his own hands of trying to exile Korah or punish him or getting into a fight about it, he says, let's, let's let the Lord do this. And so Korah, sure enough, they go, they get their censers. Um, and then Moses, Moses goes to a different group. He says, um, in verse 8, Moses also said to Korah, Now listen, you Levites, isn't it enough for you that God, that the God of Israel has separated you from the rest of the Israelite community and brought you near himself to do the work of the Lord's tabernacle and to stand before the community and minister to them? He has brought you and all your fellow Levites near himself, but now you're trying to get the priesthood too? It is against the Lord that you and all your followers have banded together. Who is Aaron that you should grumble against him? So here, Korah, he's calling him out. He said, you're already part of the royal priesthood. Why are you trying to take over the throne. Aaron and I have been appointed to this. Um, you kind of like, you got to check yourself. You got to get in place. So we're going to see what the Lord says. So then Moses goes and summons Dathan and Abram, the sons of Eliam, um, verse 12. But they say, we will not come. Isn't it enough that you've brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness? And now you also want to lord it over us? Moreover, you haven't brought us into the land flowing with milk and honey or given us the inheritance of fields and vineyards. Do you want to treat these men like slaves? No we won't come. And this is the part, this next verse is the, is the one that I love. Um, it just shows Moses in his humanness. Moses says, then Moses became very angry and said to the Lord, do not accept their offering. I have not taken so much as a donkey from them, nor have I wronged any of them. And the fourth point, the last point that I'm going to make today is that when you and I are in the wilderness, uh, the strongest weapon we have is our authentic relationship with God. Moses has a real relationship with God. It's a two-way street. When God tries to wipe out the people, Moses reminds him. He says, he calls him on it. He says, no, God, this isn't who you are. Let's make your name known. I'm going to remember the mission. And then when, when all these men come against him, Moses goes to the Lord unfiltered, no mask, and says, I'm so angry. I've done nothing wrong to them. Don't bless them. Don't let them get away with this. Moses allows himself to be fully human with God. And when we're in a situation like the wilderness and we're struggling, there's a lot of anger going on. There's tons of grief in this season. There's fear. Uh, there's anxiety. There's a whole bunch of emotions that come into play in our lives. And Moses completely lets himself go before the Lord. Why? because they've built an intimate and vulnerable and safe relationship. Now, it wouldn't be fair for Moses to go take his wrath out on all the people in the community. He might break relationships that aren't safe. But God offers us the position, the relationship, that we can be completely 
ourselves before the Lord. I just wonder how many of you today are struggling with emotions in the pandemic and you don't have a place to put them or maybe you've put them on family members and it's hurt or maybe you're stuffing them inside and it's hurting you. I want to encourage you, you can be completely yourself with the Lord. The Lord can handle your anger. The Lord can handle your disappointment. The Lord can handle whatever emotion you're in. You don't have to prepare yourself and be okay and come before him like, oh, I'm fine, I'm being a good servant. No, you get the authority that Moses has that you can be completely yourself. So I wonder today, what emotional state are you in? And are you being completely transparent with God? Do you trust him that he's big enough to hold the pain, the fear, the frustration, whatever it is you're carrying? I want to encourage you today, have it out with the Lord. Build an authentic relationship with him. You and I have privilege to come to God exactly as we are. And that's it's exactly what Moses does. Moses has a real relationship with the Father, and that allows him to face trials of many kinds. And so we see the story come to an awful head. And so what happens is Moses um, has it out with the Lord. He says, don't let them get away with this. I'm angry. I've done nothing wrong to them. So what the Lord does is the Lord comes and he protects and defends Aaron and Moses. He chooses Aaron and Moses. He, he selects them with the censors. He says, these are the men that I've chosen. And then the Lord does something crazy. Again, that only comes out of the movies. The Lord swallows up the men who have come against Moses and Aaron. The one who said, we're as holy as you, we should be leading. The Lord says, I won't tolerate this. I've chosen Moses and Aaron. They are my people. Anybody who rebels against them, rebels against me. And the Lord swallows them into the earth. Crazy, huh? It's like, I, I, would, I don't wanna see anybody go down, but I would love to see the earth open up and close up again. I can't imagine what that looked like. And you can imagine the people are horrified. The people see this happen. Moses says, okay, God, you be the judge, you decide. God decides. He says, yep, I did choose you and Aaron. And he swallows up the men who were disobedient. That throws the whole Israelite community into a panic. They're afraid. They don't know if they're gonna get swallowed up. So there's madness in the camp all around. And Moses and Aaron, they're saying, Lord, 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 be with this people. Um, and so this next part that we're going to see is <clears throat> uh, verse 19. When Korah had gathered all his followers in opposition to them at the entrance of the tent to the meeting, the glory of the Lord appeared to the entire assembly. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, separate yourselves from this assembly so I can put an end to them at once. But Moses and Aaron fell face down and cried out, O God, the God who gives breath to all living things, will you be angry with the entire assembly when only one man sins? Here's the thing, when we spend a lot of time with somebody, uh, we start to become like them. Uh, in, this, in this quarantine time, um, I've been with my roommates a lot, and one of my roommates has this quirk that I love. She repeats everything twice. So if you ask her, like, hey, you wanna go do something? She's like, yeah, for sure, yeah, for sure. And I'll be like, hey, you wanna do, like, you wanna go for a run? or try this. She's like, yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? She repeats everything. And so because I've been spending so much time with her, I find myself starting to repeat stuff too. People will say, hey, do you want to, you know, can you do this? I'm like, absolutely. Absolutely. I start repeating because I'm around her all the time. And so I'm becoming like her. And we see in this instance that Moses is becoming more like God. When God wants to wipe out all the people, Moses stands in front and says, no, God of breath, have mercy on these people. Moses has gotten God's heart. He's caught hold of it. And in the final scene um, in this story, what happens is 
the people again, they rise up, they grumble, and God's about to wipe them out again. And so he sends a plague on the people. God sends a plague. And Moses and Aaron, in this posture of humility, they run, Moses tells Aaron, run and make atonement for the people. So Aaron runs to the altar. He makes atonement. And then Aaron stands between the plague and the people. And this is the perfect image of what Jesus does for you and I. When death comes for us, Jesus runs in front of it and he says, no, choose me, spare them. Aaron stops the plague from consuming the entire Israelite community. And I wonder how often do you and I thank the Lord for putting himself in harm's way so that you and I can live. I've said this before, if you're new to this study, everything in the Bible points to Jesus. And so while this story happened long before Jesus came, died on the cross and rose again, the author, God, was predicting that Jesus would be the one who pardons us, who stands between the plague of death that comes at us, that he takes that on for us so that you and I can live. And so I wanna encourage you today, as we close our time, um, to consider the four points that we talked about today. When trials and temptations are coming at you, are you in a position to humble yourselves? What would it look like for you to humble yourself in front of the Lord today? The second one, uh, do you remember the mission? Do you remember what you're called to do? We're called to love the Lord, our God, and love neighbors as ourselves. It's not about us, it's about him. And the third thing is, let's let God be the judge. Instead of us trying to get even, trying to make things right, projecting ourselves on other people, let's bring our situations before the Lord and let him be the judge. And last but not least, we have to have a real relationship with God, a real relationship where we can be vulnerable and intimate and where we can receive and understand who Jesus is and be made into his likeness. So in this season of the wilderness, I wanna encourage you today, whatever situation you find yourself in, I wanna encourage you to live face down like Moses and Aaron did, to surrender, to let go of control, to submit before the Lord, and to ask him to use you in this situation. Moses and Aaron were such an example to the people of what a faithful follower of Jesus and the Lord looks like. I want you to be in the same posture this week. May we be people who live face down, surrendered to let God use us however he will. And I wanna tell you this, he's gonna use you for good if you let him in the wilderness. Uh, so let's close today in prayer together. Father, we thank you that you are a God who sees us for exactly who we are, God, all of our weaknesses, all of our brokenness. We thank you that Jesus Christ has made a way for us to be in relationship with you and to not experience eternal death, eternal separation from you. We thank you for your favor, God. We thank you for your love. And we ask that we would be people who live face down, God, that we would be people with humble spirits, that we would let you be the judge, that that we would remember the mission, God, and that we would enjoy a deep, intimate relationship with you, one that's real, one that's not fake, but one that we get to be completely ourselves. Uh, we thank you, God, for being with us in the wilderness, and we ask that you would use this time to mold us into people that look like you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, I want to remind you, we have a Zoom women's gathering coming up. We've never done this before. It's going to be our first one, um, but you can sign up to get your email in on that. Once we have your email, then we can send you the Zoom link and we can join us. It's going to be May 6th at 7.30 p.m. Mark your calendars, sign up, give us your email addresses. We want to be with 
everybody together to see everyone's faces in this time. So blessings on you today. Look forward to seeing you next week. Bye.